0: Hey, I'm Paul Amadeus Lane, and welcome. Welcome to our special podcast that we have here, United Spinal Association. We're going to talk about emergency preparedness, how we can be prepared during an emergency, especially living with a disability. With all the things that are going on throughout the world, we need to make sure that we are prepared for whatever comes our way. Me, I live in Southern California. We have earthquakes, we have the wildfires, and then ones from other part of the United States. They have emergencies too. So what can we do to protect ourselves? We're here at the United Spinal Association. We've put together a ready-to-roll program. And what I would like to do now is welcome three very distinguished guests to talk about emergency preparedness and what we can learn From their examples. You're listening to United on Wheels, the web's best podcast for active wheelchair users. Visit our website, www.unitedspinal.org. Follow United Spinal Association on Facebook. Connect with United Spinal on Twitter via United Spinal. Gretchen, why don't you start? Why don't you uh, let us know who you are, what you represent, and then we'll dive into why being prepared for a disaster is so important especially where you're at in Puerto Rico.
1: Yes, uh, my name is Gretchen Dillon. I am a T4, T5 spinal cord injury survivor or patient. I don't know how how to say that. Um, So my accident is a gun accident. So I was shot in my back eight years ago. And I have been the spinal cord injury association or United Spinal uh, five years now. So, I have been very interested in learning from this association. And I brought this association to Puerto Rico, and now we are developing a chapter. And God, everything is going great. And what happened with the United Spinal Association in that moment was very significant for us in Puerto Rico. The way the association helped us was uh, very helpful to know that other people with disabilities can be aware of what what is happening in other states and learn from them too. So we not only received aid, we gave information to other states um, based on our experience. And now that we got all that data, we are able to offer some tips to other countries and other states for spinal cord injuries or, dis- or the disabled community. So awesome. um, that's like my part I'm a spinal cord injury, uh, member of the United Spinal Association. And I went to Maria Hurricane Irma, and in January, we had an earthquake here in Puerto Rico, especially from the south part. And I am in the south, so we have a lot of loss here. And now we have a pandemia, as you know, as in the United States has too. So it has it has been a trial and error like for two years or three years now. So now our new normal of being prepared is just the way how it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you shared that with us, Gretzel, because we're going to definitely come back and, and, and find out a little more about when you decided to do some preparedness, what were some of the things that, that you did? So, so we'll definitely, definitely come back to you on that. Um, let's uh, let's hear from Renell now. Renell, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you represent, and, uh, and just introduce yourself to us, my friend.
2: All right. Uh, for everyone participating, hi, my name is Renell Sinus. I'm 34. I'm a C4, C5 quad. Uh, four years post-injury. i from Miami, Florida, 305 all day long. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about Uh, So um, I'm pretty new to United Spinal Actually A few months ago Through the Spinal Cord Injury Support Group in South Florida I was introduced to United Spinal And of course I went and got familiar With the magazine And United on Wheels podcast Where I came across Paul here And um, being that I'm Also very involved in broadcast I just immersed myself and. Um, reading the content or listening to the content and reading the magazine to find out as much information as I can. And um, I'm still more along the lines of benefiting and taking from the organization before I've had the chance to give back. But it's been amazing just to hear the experiences like uh, Gretchen was saying from different areas and different people and just kind of, I can relate to that. And um, even yourself, Paul, I found myself relating to you a lot being a uh, higher level um, quads and just still wanting to pursue our careers and um, just different people and how they do different things. And those who've lived 25 years with the injuries and those who've been dealing with it for a year. So um, United Spinal has really been A great resource to connect with other people Whether personally Over Zoom or just to hear their story Being told Um, I'm a long time resident Of Miami, been here since 92 Unfortunately my family came here Right before Andrew So we've had a lot of experiences with hurricanes Um, So Over about 30 years Of almost 30 years of living Down here we've prepped We've uh, done a lot And you know uh, it's I've always felt that it was my part to always help out family, you know, boarding up windows, going to get um, supplies. But post-injury, that all changed. I went from being one of the ones relied on by my family to now I'm relying on everyone else to make sure I'm safe. And it's been a big emotional shift for me and mentally, just to kind of wrap my own head around it. But um, since then, I think we've been just trying to do our part to stay informed uh, because that first year after your injury you don't really think too much about that but 2017 we had Irma coming right at us and we didn't have that much time to come up with a plan but um, got through it thankfully it wasn't too bad in our area but since then uh, I've made the point for myself and to make sure my parents are safe during these and other friends of the emergency services down here in Miami to kind of give them information. Of course, the support group as well has been amazing at providing some of these resources as well.
0: Yeah, well, welcome aboard, my friend. We, we're we glad to have you here at the United Spinal Association. Sir Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what you do out there for the community?
3: Yeah, hi. Uh, so my name is Alex Gennis. Uh, gosh, about 16 years out from the injury, so I think I'm, I'm one of the older injuries here. Uh, and I. Uh, You know, I currently am the founder uh, and head of Accessible Climate Strategies, Uh, so I do a lot of individual consulting around uh, adapting to climate change and making sure that, uh, you know, new green infrastructure uh, is accessible, make sure that we actually have, like, wheelchair accessible electric vans, because everything right now is internal combustion, right? Uh, So that's uh, a lot of the stuff that I focus on. Uh, about, let me see, uh, I had my accident in 04, so it was right around when Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth came out, uh, and I found myself being very interested in climate change um, as kind of a larger just driver in society. Uh, I uh, went to school, really immersed myself even more in climate change. I Saw the you know uh, uh, that we need to prepare no matter what, and that the world is going to be different. Uh, you know uh, we're seeing that here in California right now with the fires, right? Um, and uh, wanted to focus on adaptation. After I left school, I started working on renewable energy storage, uh, and said, "Oh wow, we need batteries to plug into these solar panels that only run during the day, and I charge my wheelchair at night." So I realize, you know, uh, everything that we're doing for switching around our society really hits me. Um, And renewable energy is important. I found that preparing and adapting to climate change um, is, uh, uh, you know, has a higher priority for people with disabilities. That's where we can really pursue social justice um, is, uh, you know, hitting that second part. So I... you know, I'm, I, I like to put things in context. Um, I certainly know the nuances of disaster readiness, but for me, it's kind of within this whole overarching sphere, what's happening in society, what's happening in the environment. Uh, me personally, you know, uh, in California here, we have two and a half types of disasters. Um, is We've got fire um, and then the smoke that comes from the fire. Uh, we've got earthquakes. I live a half a mile from the Hayward Fault that may or may not be overdue for like a seven point. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we get heavy storms. Sometimes now we're getting power outages um, uh, because they don't want those power lines to spark fires. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something where I haven't personally had my power shut off. Um, I haven't hit, been hit by a fire or an earthquake. I've been hit by the smoke. Uh, but with all of that, it just makes me realize like it's so important to prepare. Um, so I'm interested in that. I, I uh, love working with um, uh, you know United Spinal uh, to help out about that, and just really happy to be on the podcast. I know that was a bit long-winded. But.
0: No, 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 it's fine. You know, we we all like to talk, and this is a very, very important subject. And thank you all for being a part of this very special podcast. And with the the Ready to Roll program that has been implemented by uh, United Spinal Association we really want to just highlight uh, some things that, that we all who have been living with our injury for some years uh, to really help out the community out there. And in the, the, the ready to roll program, it's broken up into, to, to certain, certain aspects. And that is respect, educate, assemble, develop, and also you. So why don't we take the first one respect? And what that means is respect on your specific needs. So when it comes to specific needs, what have you figured out what you need that's specific especially when it comes to disasters and and, and Gretchel, we'll start with you
1: well i think that's the easiest one why is the easiest because we need what we know what we need in medication um let's say if you take some sleep aid well you know you're gonna need it and let's say you use the catheter or you use another kind of medication it's something that we already know so in that case is just be prepared within a month I think a month is a great uh, 30 days of medical um, my English you know is not so good but with 30 days I think it's a it's a month of supplies and it's the easiest one we should know what we need. I know um, maybe some extras if you suffer from anxiety, um, maybe the ache, some things that are just like regular for all of us, not people with disabilities too. Um, Over the cancer medication, we should have that too. But it will not come in a surprise if we have a spinal cord injury and we are not preparing medical aid. As you know, some of us use catheters, so, it is not a supply. It is not a surprise that we will not gonna be able to have them weekly if that's our supply chain. So, I guess that's the easiest one. It's not a surprise that we need yeah. some uh, medication.
0: And, um, and, and Rachel, if you can, you can kind of explain too. You know, when you went through the hurricane in Puerto Rico, how did the uh, medical supply distribution? meet that challenge? Did it slow down some? And, and some members of our community didn't have their their, their catheters, their, their medication. Can you share that with us, especially uh, living in Puerto Rico?
1: Yeah, sure, our geog- geography um, is difficult, too. We import everything, so we use boats for everything. There's not a way that we can travel by truck or send by truck, transportation, uh, by car, uh, medication or supplies. So for us, it's difficult um, to receive that medical aid. Um, We were um, grateful that the United Spinal helped us in some medical aid. But the first thing that we started to do was um, giving donation of our own medical supplies. So if I know that I have catheters or leg bags or some medication that I know other people with a spinal cord injury could use, we are just trying to get a connection when we could because we didn't have any telephone or internet or power so when we could we started um putting ourselves um at service and mm-hmm. telling people what we have so that we can share it in that moment we behave as family and we started trading sharing what we have um nowadays we have a lot of mm, Preparedness about what happened, and I have that yellow closet that you see there that's all now pads, catheters, and I don't even use it. That's not my my regular medical um, help, it's just there. I just change it so that it could not get expired, but it's just I guess I have like six months of of medical aid. That's good. Or for a special. Um, spinal cord injury needs.
0: Um, wow.
1: So it is going to be tough if you don't study your geography.
0: Yeah, that's true. Tough. It,
1: it, it, it's going to be tough if you don't have some states that are very developed in in medicine. I yeah. know there are some states that are poor or more poor than others. I know there are some states that need more from others so if you are in one of those states you should be more prepared and not only prepared for you be prepared to help too right now i am in the position to help if someone needs i have the the medical maybe not all right but i i know i could share so in when we talk about preparedness we shouldn't not talk about ourselves only we should talk how i can um, help that spinal cord injury patient, especially C5, C4, all the paraplegics that, I, that that have significant help, that they need significant help, how I can help them?
0: Not, and it's we, not we, about we,
1: receiving only.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's true. And you know what's interesting, too? I remember when I first got injured 27 years ago, they never had to talk to me about disaster preparedness. So now we've reached a point in time that we really have to have that talk with newer people who are injured and even ones who are not um, really, you know, um, thinking about this. And that's why I'm glad that United Spinal that we're doing this to help educate. And, and Alex, when it comes to, you brought up a very good point about, about equipment. I'm a power wheelchair user. Uh, many are power wheelchair users out there. Has the technology kind of met the need of a disaster, let's say, for instance, if the power grid goes down, how in the world, you and I and others who use power wheelchairs, how are we going to charge up our chairs, my friend?
3: Uh, uh, by looking around. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, this is... Um, so I'm, I'm actually going to go back really quickly, though, to um, uh, the last point, which is the time frame. Of what and how you need to prepare for. Um, obviously, Puerto Rico is in a different situation um, than California is, right? Hurricane hits Puerto Rico. Number one, you've got three days of advance notice. Uh, you know, a couple of days of advance notice before a hurricane hits. Um, out here in California, we have no notice when an earthquake hits, um, which also Puerto Rico knows. But uh, and um, you know, little if no heads up for a fire. Um, so obviously any of the, uh, preparedness that you need to do, um, it's important to do in advance. It's also important to know, uh, exactly what sorts of needs you're going to, to, to have, whether you're going to hunker down, um, or whether you need to evacuate and find a shelter. Uh, so certainly understanding, uh, what the dangers are in your area. Um, and actually, uh, was talking about, Uh, uh, supplies. And I do my darndest to, you know, order things like gloves uh, for boxes in advance. And I also do uh, that uh, rotating thing. I will note that that's a privilege for people who have uh, the financial wherewithal to not have to deal with DME uh, through Medicaid and things like that. I I consider myself lucky. I understand that. Um, uh, But, you know, it's, it's a different situation depending on where you're at. Uh, when you're talking about the power outages, uh, I think about what we've been dealing with here in California. Uh, it's called the public safety power shutoff. Uh, so pretty much people with disabilities are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Where uh, here in California, we, uh, the, the, the utilities have not taken care of their power lines well enough and not trimmed trees around them. And then we've had too many people moving right next to forests. So we need all these, you know, little power lines going wherever. If a fire starts, more people with disabilities are going to be harmed. Or people with disabilities will be disproportionately harmed in that fire, right? Like more likely to lose their lives. If they have a house, they have less money to then, you know, adapt on average, um, whatever it might be. Uh, So the utilities said, and the utilities were getting sued into oblivion because of these fires, and people died in the fires. These were tragedies. Um, So what the utility is doing now is saying, if we are in a very hot, dry, windy day, we're going to shut off power for certain parts of the state, so that these power lines don't touch a tree, spark a fire, and then kill a bunch of people and destroy homes. Um, with those public safety power shutoffs, it's been a mess. Uh, and this is, uh, uh, you know, you you said wheelchairs. Wheelchairs are one thing. A ventilator that has, you know, a portable vent with a 30-minute back, or not, sorry, portable vent would have more, like a three-hour battery, right? Um, the vent you might have at home, next to your bed, that's a plug-in vent. Uh, that battery life would probably be shorter. Um, so the disability community, you know, and this is spinal cord injury plus just a bunch of other folks, you know, someone with diabetes might need to, to keep their um, insulin in the refrigerator, whatever it might be, that people with disabilities were really um, in a hard place because of this. Some people tried to get into a car to evacuate. That wasn't easy Uh, because people with disabilities have less access to cars, right? Um, So people are stuck in this rut. Uh, What they have done in the state and they're trying to do uh, and expand is to give battery backup systems, uh, specifically to people who, uh, you know, have these medical needs, who have signed up with PG&E to be on their medical baseline program right? And they're trying to get these batteries out to people through the Centers for Independent Living. It's, uh, this is something they just implemented last year, and it was a horrendous rollout. Um, and a lot of people really went through a tough time. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where I hate to say, in general, if this thing happens, you're screwed, right? You don't want to say that. But if you have a power chair, you might not be able to charge it for a few days, right? So what do you do to fix that? You make sure you charge your power chair every night. Um, uh, If you have a ventilator, you probably want to figure out uh, some sort of battery backup or even buying a generator. If you buy a generator, run the generator itself outside because we've heard stories of people getting like carbon monoxide poisoning, right? Um, So all of these things are a tough situation between a rock and a hard place. And I wish that, you know, the government, the utilities, the nonprofits, everything could keep this from being a danger, but they can't, um, which is why United Spinal has this ready-to-roll program. It's to help the community understand what they need to do on an individual level uh, of getting those supplies, of getting those battery backups, of getting that generator, of charging your wheelchair every night, right? Um, So I, I really appreciate what's going on. Uh, there right now and, and how it'll move forward.
0: Absolutely. So it's incumbent upon all of us to, to educate ourselves. And we're so glad to to have to have you, Greshel, and even Rennell on this podcast to really make that a conversation that, that we should have. I mean, if we were in a room with about uh, 30 people uh, with disabilities and we asked them, are you prepared for a disaster? It would probably be a low percentage that is. So we're so glad that this program is out there to help help educate and and, and Ronell, when it comes to preparing for a disaster especially especially living in uh in florida what are some of the things you talked about like making sure that not only you're safe but your parents are safe too but what have you done to to really to really prepare yourself uh living in florida
2: Well, one of the first things you have to understand about Florida, because we pretty much expect the next big hurricane every season, Uh, once season comes around or once that first storm is announced, everyone goes crazy in the stores. So the smartest thing to do is to kind of get ahead of that, um, kind of get ahead of that curve, especially us now being in a chair. Sometimes we don't have the opportunity to go to the stores as we normally would have, especially now with COVID. So the first thing you want to do is make sure you have a great water supply, you know, for those of us with catheters and trying to avoid um, any of the UTI. So you got to keep our water going. And uh, when Gretchel mentioned earlier about supplies, um, those delivery chains sometimes get interrupted or... During that frenzy, when people are in the stores, they pick up anything and everything. So items that you would normally find very easily and in large quantities tend to disappear quickly. So uh, the first thing I've learned so far in my experience is to get a bit ahead of that. We know the hurricane season comes uh, about around summertime. So go ahead and stock up on as much as you can prior. Of course, not stockpiling, but making sure you have a safe amount of the items you need, not only for about a month or maybe two months, uh, because towards the beginning of this year, Uh, It took me a while to finally catch up on some of the supplies I had. And thankfully I did have an extra 30 days supplies of items and it'll be things you wouldn't think would run out that quickly, like soaps and disinfectants. We have AIDS coming in our homes regularly and we use twice as much or three times as much soap and sanitizers as the next person. So making sure we have a safe quantity of those items are safe, uh, are available rather. And then to make sure we have, um, a more secure evacuation plan. Some areas in South Florida flood more. My area, we lose power very quickly. Uh, slightest breeze in my area shuts off the power to avoid any fires or anything. So um, if we have to evacuate, you know, I have a, a hospital bed that uses electricity. I have my power chair. So things like that. I could last probably two days. So, so making sure that if I have to go to a shelter or be relocated to the hospital, all of those things need to be set ahead of time because um, when it comes to the actual emergency calling 211 or 301 or any of those emergency services, they're so backed up I'm myself or anyone else are going to end up being pushed to the back of the line unfortunately because transportation all those other services are are dealing with people who kind of registered prior. so you have to prepare as early as possible check each year to make sure you're on the radar of your county of your city to make sure they know you do need some of these services.
0: Yeah, and you know we don't want to be hoarding stuff and putting it on eBay, right? No, not at all. <laughs> Let's
2: not talk about forty and fifty dollar boxes of gloves that I've been seeing online. So yeah,
0: yeah. And so to Greshal, you, you wanted to you wanted to chime in earlier. I, I saw that you wanted to you wanted to, to add to the discussion.
1: Oh yeah, I just when you said that if we are in a room with thirty persons, it just came to my mind if we are prepared. If our wheelchair is prepared for a disaster, sometimes we are uh, thinking about medical aid or power or power failure or water, but is our wheelchair ready for any disaster? It would be a very nice question to do in that room full of 30 persons because we are so normal using our wheelchair. That we think that it's a forever wheelchair, and that we think that it will pass any disaster, and we don't. We have not checked our secondary share to see if it's working condition, if the if the wheels are okay, if the cushion is okay. So the first question I would like to ask if is, is the wheelchair prepared for fire? I mean, it's not going to be prepared, of course. I know we don't right. know that it's going to be burned, but are we going to be prepared? So we should be prepared in case of a fire, an earthquake. Do how is our secondary share um, function? So it's a it's a good question for the for that thirty people in the room.
0: You know, I, I love that, Gressel. That that that's awesome. And, and and Alex, I wanted to go back to you because you know you were really. Instrumental in, in helping develop this this plan uh, that we have here at the United Spinal Association, and and this program. And uh, one of the things that really stood out in my mind in the Ready to Roll uh, worksheet that we have is develop a plan and share it. And Alex, speak on speak truth to power on how that's so important. Not just to develop a plan, but but to share it
3: yeah uh, so um, I I'm, I'm gonna take a step back and expand on the wheelchair thing really um, <laughs> like, take a rollback whatever but um <laughs> is uh, that uh, you know me personally as I said I've been a quad for what six it's been 16 years now um, I'm on my third power chair um, I you know the first one got donated to a local nonprofit um, the second one, uh, I keep downstairs in my apartment building, like locked up with a cable lock next to the bike rack, right? And I'm sure there, you know, I've got this 40 unit apartment building. People are like, why the hell is there a power chair down here? Um, but I go, I charge that once a week uh, because I know if there's an emergency, if the elevator is out, that then someone could carry me downstairs, put me in that old wheelchair and I could get into my van and out of the building, right? I have a backup manual wheelchair uh, up in the front closet. Um, I even kept my old like busted rusty shower chair um, Mm -hmm. that's near the front closet in case I need to, you know, take that with me to evacuate. Um, So certainly, you know, uh, there was the keep your backup chair around if you can, right? Find a spot for it. Consider where you're keeping it. And if that backup chair not only is a good backup period, but is going to be in a place where you can hop into it and get out. Um, And to have more than one uh, or more than one type, right? Uh, A a manual chair can't, even for a power chair user, um, can be useful in an emergency. Um, So uh, getting then to the bit about a plan, uh, there's... There's an evacuation plan. First of all, uh, there's also the, uh, you know, there, there's there's a disaster management plan, that first of all should be shared with you know a roommate, maybe a family member, somebody who's trusted, um, one or multiple attendants, uh, um, and let them know. Okay, this is what's happening. This is where we need to go. Uh, another, you know, frequent recommendation is to have. Uh, four main points of contact that can come and check uh, in a disaster. Uh, You know, was uh, mentioned the, the, like, disaster services lists and registry and whatever else. Uh, We find in disasters that people with disabilities who get on those lists assume that uh, the disaster services people are going to come knock on their door. Um, And first of all, that doesn't happen. Second of all, just looking at policy, like you know, probably two-thirds of those people have evacuated already, and then you're having ambulances go and knock on every single door uh, and, you know, have have missing people, and it's really tough to manage that on the government level. Um, So for individuals, make a plan, have four points of contact that are going to come to your home or apartment to check on you if there is a disaster, um, and to help out, uh, make sure that they know, for example, uh, where your backup wheelchair is, um, where your little go bag of, like, regular supplies versus your large go bag of, I've got several bed pads and like, you know, a fully catheter change tray and all of these medical supplies that you're going to throw in the back of your van or in an Uber or just take with you on public transit, if you're getting out of there, right. That they need to know the details. Um, The, uh, I do recommend that uh, anybody, I mean, period or just with a disability has a, Up to date, printed, like, quick rundown of your disability and disability related needs, right? Uh, You never know if you're going to get hurt. Um, You will want to let uh, you know uh, uh, whoever know that you have an allergy to this, that, and the other medication, or like, you know, you have an allergy to latex. Uh, uh, Medical professionals should know that. Um, If you go to the hospital and you never know what hospital you're going to go to. If you are, you know, a Kaiser patient, um, but the Kaiser building burned down, they might bring you over to another one and then they don't have your medical record on hand. Right. Um, So these are pieces of preparedness. Um, uh, With climate change, pandemics are disasters that are related to us living, you know, too close to forest land and like, messing with the animal uh, uh, kingdom a little bit too much. And so, uh, you know, Renell said, stocking up on gloves. Like, I do the same thing. I have a regular repeat order. And I felt so lucky uh, when this hit that, you know, I'd been ready in advance. Um, uh, it's important for people with disabilities to catch up on the news. Because then if you see, oh, wait, we might, like, there's this weird pandemic showing up. And uh, it you know what? I might want to stock up on medical supplies. I might want to recall, you know, and get in touch with those four people and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't know what's going to happen here, but let's get ready um, just in case. If you're, you know, uh, uh, in a situation like uh, Rinell or, or uh, Gretchel, when you have hurricane Uh, coming and you have a couple of days of advance notice, you know, you don't know exactly where it's going to hit, but you can, again, get in touch with those neighbors, let them know, uh, share it, share that plan and coordinate the help if you need to.
0: Now, I appreciate you sharing that, uh, Alex, because that really, really helps us to focus on not only this plan, but steps that we can take to make sure that we have others aware of this plan as well. And, and we know you you touched on a very, very important um, point and that's sterile uh, keeping germs away from, especially if we catheterize ourselves, if we have to do bowel programs um, and things like that. Active pressure sore. If you got
3: that like
0: pressure sore. Yeah. yeah. And if, uh, and if a person has to, has to uh, get a suction because of a trach, you know, all these different things, um, that we have to make sure that we have a sterile environment. And so it sounds like to me, Ronell, you can, you can speak to this too, and then the rest of the crew can do it as well too, that when we're not going through a, a pandemic or any disaster, we need to start getting all these things right now. And let's say a person has a challenge with, with doing that right now. What, what advice would you give to them?
2: All right. Well, definitely you have to, um, as Alex was saying, you have to have a couple people kind of in your squad or um, at least close enough to you that can kind of help you out in these things. It's it's a lot for some of us who've been really independent for a long time to have to rely on others in this situation. Myself is a very hard transition, but I've had to accept it. That, look, I might be able to coordinate. I might be able to order online. But I may need an extra pair of legs, so to speak. And uh, so you have to kind of coordinate with someone else. And uh, thankfully, I have a really good support system. So what you want to do if you do not have siblings or friends or family members, if you have to pay someone, they're your your go-to person to make sure, hey, look, um, Hurricane Johnny is on its way. I need you to go hit the stores, hit my medical supply and bring these things in. You're going to have to invest in something like that because the reality is you're in that hustle and bustle in the stores wherever you may be even just the traffic to get to where you need to go we do have a bit of a disadvantage so if you don't have that set ahead several days or at least someone who could just jump out and get it done for you in a couple of hours unfortunately a lot of us do get kind of overlooked and i'll say not only us but a lot of the elderly here again in south florida People bum rush those stores. I mean, there's no buy one or two packs of waters. Folks are leaving with pallets. And then, unfortunately, not everyone thinks about their neighbor. And you find yourself in a position of want, in a position of need. So if you could do your best to do that, and not only that, but sometimes, like in 2017, the home health care company kind of told me, well, we don't send our aid out during these emergencies. Hopefully, you have someone to take care of you. And for someone that I had the system set up, but now it's like, oh, so I'm on my own again. So you kind of have to have a backup plan for all of those things. Is a family member going to be able to take care of you? Or are you going to have to have a private aide who may be able to stay over with you for a day or two? So those are things that, unfortunately, I had to experience firsthand. But for anyone else listening to this, I know Gretchen and Alex could um, also uh, probably have some sort of experience close to it. but. Those emergencies don't always give you two, three days in advance, of course, earthquakes and fires, but sometimes that little storm you thought was just going to be a little bit of rain at the last minute turns to a category two or three, and now we're looking at an emergency that you did not expect. So um, not only your supplies, but any assistance that you might need, whether it's just to get your supplies or that healthcare provider that has to come in, because it may not be your regular person who knows your routine and knows how to keep you safe. It'll be someone else that you're probably gonna have to explain things to, and they might not be as clean or even aware of how susceptible you may be to some of those bacteria. It's just whoever was available and brave enough to come out during uh, that storm or that emergency.
0: Yeah, we got to make sure we don't get caught slipping, right? Oh yeah. No. <laughs> we got to make uh, sure. And, uh, and and Gretchen and Alex, please uh, uh, jump in uh, with any uh, yeah any take on that.
3: I, um, this reminds me how much, uh, you know, I, I, I do climate change stuff. I still do financial literacy work uh, because finances help you with disasters. Oh, I mean, this is, if you have, you know, Renell was mentioning getting supplies in advance. It takes money to do that, yeah. right? Um, so I think that everybody should have an advanced supply. I mean, if... And, and, and there's a certain pride aspect to saying, hey, here's a GoFundMe, help me get, you know, a, a month worth of gloves ahead of what insurance will pay for. Um, or, uh, you know, swallowing that pride again of I'm an independent para or I'm, you know, an independent quad who only works with attendants on my needs. And now I'm going to have to ask a neighbor or, you know, a friend or whatever, uh, to help me out. And like, my gosh, am I going to have to, you know, teach, uh, one of these people to be able to do a bowel program for me. Right. Uh, like how, how, how are you going to manage those things when you get farther down the backup help list?
2: If Gretchen will permit me to just piggyback off of that for a quick second, the financial side, um, it's rather surprising because, you know, some of us work and some don't. Some um, rely on the disability or whatever income they get. So budgeting is a big thing for us. And a lot of times we have it down to the penny. We know exactly what we have to spend monthly and uh, we know what allotments our insurances have for us. Um, If this pandemic taught me anything, it's uh, the insurances are fallible. I called my insurance. I was like, hey, you know, it's March now. I'm ready for my next supply. And they're like, there's none. You know, manufacturers are out. We don't know when the next uh, shipment of gloves are coming in. And um, even though they would normally cover the financial side of it, they did not have them on hand. So, I can't turn and say, well, hey, Amazon has a couple boxes. Can you pay for it? They're not going to do it that way. So making sure you have some sort of emergency fund, it's not that easy. I understand we might have to uh, skip out on some of our luxuries to make sure we have a little bit of finances on side for these emergency cases. Because like we talked about and joked about earlier, there were literally cases of one or a box, not a case, a box of 100 gloves for about 50, 60 bucks online. And when you can't find something else, some of us were forced to have to do that. Thankfully, some organizations like United Spinal and a few others helped with some of those supplies and the financial side of it, but uh, many were kind of left out in the cold.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. Gretel. please go, go ahead and speak on this too. Is- I,
1: like, I like that Alex mentioned it because our budget is something that we have to be thinking all the time for everything. Um, but I know that here in Puerto Rico, and maybe all of us, have learned to use our supplies better. Yeah, and we have learned that uh, we need to be very careful with what we use and how we use it, and to be maybe before we don't, we were not so careful with our supplies because maybe they were all coming. But now part of that budget could be to use it to use what we have if let's say that that the medical um, plan can give you some or maybe you receive for some friends um, medical aid now to be more careful on how we use them and it's part of the, of the preparation to know how to use our resources the one we have Here in Puerto Rico, we have been helping people that receive a lot from their medical insurance, sometimes more cameras or some more pads or diapers or or whatever they receive. If if they receive more than what they use, uh, we are trying to have it available for people who don't have. And that's the way we are creating some storage, small storage, right? I have been receiving some pads from elderly, that they have not been using, veterans. And now that I know that that resources, I have been asking for those um, supplies and I can give them to some United Spinal uh, members or whoever needs them. So maybe if we find people that receive more than, they, than what they use, we can start asking for that extra supplies. So yeah. to be part of our plan, of preparedness. I really yeah. like that you mentioned the money issue. It's very difficult to work with a cycle core injury and I work but I know that not a lot of people could work. So I really understand the the comment that it's not so easy to have diapers or to have a lot of, of six months uh supply. But maybe we could at least learn to use what we have in a better way so that we could have
3: our supplies last longer and and, and you know a, a special needs trust uh, we're looking in the spinal cord injury community that a lot of people get settlements um that that's a rarity in some of the other disability groups right um so a special needs trust could pay for this um a, well, i don't
1: know anyone who have a trust um, yeah I,
3: it, it, it depends i i think how do i say this Having worked in uh, the field of disability and seen multiple disabilities, I see a higher percentage of, uh, you know, people that got settlements and spinal cord injury uh, versus, versus other ones. Yeah, it's not a universal thing, but some people have it. Um, so trust funds could pay for it. Also ABLE accounts, people who aren't aware of ABLE accounts, if you acquired your disability before age 26, um, then you can save money away in this account and it won't affect Medicaid, um, or social security, um, and that account can take gifts from family. Um, it could do whatever, and then that could be used to uh, purchase advanced medical supplies.
0: And you know, it seems like too um, that we have to come together as a community to make this happen. And it's good to have these conversations that can definitely help out our community out there, especially when it comes to disasters and being educating, educating ourselves of where we live. Um, how things are changing so that we won't be caught, caught unaware. And what I wanted to do before we close out uh, this, uh, this discussion was talk about food. And I think oftentimes we don't talk about how important we need to have non-perishable foods and storing them correctly. I just found out uh, last, last year that you can't really store canned goods in a garage if it gets a certain temperature, because it spoils. So there are some things out there that we need to make sure we educate ourselves when it comes to non-perishable foods. And it doesn't mean gummy bears, doesn't mean ding-dongs, all these other things that we Chips and chips snacks. Chips and stuff like that. But <laughs> the things that's going to help us out, like, like water, definitely some water, but storing it correctly, and other things like that. And and, and Gretchel, we'll go around the, go around the, the room. Gretchel, when it comes to um, making sure we're prepared with non-perishable foods... What are some things that we can do to make sure that we are prepared for disaster?
1: Well, I think we know the basics, right? Those canned food that we hate, we need to have it. There's no way to to avoid them because we don't have power and we don't have a lot of water and we don't have heat. So canned food is gonna be the option, but there are some other like, fruits that are dry, dry fruits, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. uh, That kind of walnuts, uh, of course, they could help uh, replace them, to replace the chips with uh, another kind of um, granos. Um, I'm looking for the warning.
3: Crackers, probably.
1: um, Or grain. Well, just try, try to avoid those crackers, those chips because yeah. they, are, they are addictive they in our the regular kids. positions. It may imagine if you are with anxiety. Yeah. So that junk food is going to be like more tasty for us in that moment. So I try to have, it's, it's difficult too because as Alex was saying, everything costs so much money. If we want to eat healthy, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to cost more. So we need to start changing our snacks now so we don't have those craves on that kind of moment um, as, as we have been talking preparedness is to be prepared now today it's like thinking if today it's gonna ha- is half an earthquake what's gonna happen if today it's a fire what's gonna happen I'm gonna have the the snacks that I need that are gonna be somehow he- healthy. And another thing that I want to add, I don't know if we are finishing or, but I don't want to, I don't want this to, I have it in my notes. I don't want to, I don't want to forget it is that preparedness needs to be classified in different scenarios. So we need to think if there's an earthquake in my work, is there's an earthquake in my house? Is there's an earthquake in a mall? What are my options? And sometimes we always think that earthquakes, fires, or hurricanes are gonna happen in my house. But let's say that my house is, is not suitable for a hurricane. So I need to think that my uh, preparedness is gonna be in my sister's or my husband's or, or my mother's because it's not gonna be in my house because my house is not good for a hurricane. So, something that I would like to mention, I'm sure Alex and um, Rona, Rona, is that how you say your name? Rona. Rona, um, could add here that preparedness is not only to have our survival kit, it's to think what's going to happen if I am situated in another place. If I am, let's say, I work in a building and something happens, do I know my my um evacuation plan because it's not the same thing to be in a fire in my house than to be a fire in my school or in my or in my job so i don't want that to i have it very clear because i want i want us to think that preparedness is not in one scenario preparedness is in various scenarios and in various disasters
0: yeah i love that thank you so much for for sharing that because we have to be prepared wherever we go you know think about all those different scenarios and uh and Alex why don't you uh jump in and give us your thoughts and then i in, in some closing closing words as well
3: yeah uh gosh what was the original question that that we were on right there the, I feel so, like.
0: I'm, I'm like a video game I jump back and forth <laughs> but uh it was it was talking about food preparedness and yes and, and making sure that that we do that and with some effective ways that we can do that and then any, any closing
3: thoughts to Alex? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, with food, you know, not only do you want it to be non-perishable, you want it to be uh, well-rounded. So, you know, you want to have a good enough fiber. Um, You want it to have, and and, and some of this is disability related, right? Fiber for um, uh, the extra things people deal with, with their guts, Uh, protein uh, for, you know, Uh, preventing and healing pressure sores, like there's a lot of of things where if it's possible to uh, find the right uh, mix of food, that's great. Um, uh, You know, dried fruit actually is another good one that can be pretty nutritious. Uh, You mentioned temperature. One of the disasters we haven't talked about is heat waves. Um, And, you know, I'm here with C five six spinal cord injury, and I sweat when I'm dysreflexic, but I don't sweat when it's hot. Um, and like Ronell, I don't know how the hell you live in Miami, but um, uh, you know, my 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 roommate is like, you know, he's been attending for a while. He goes. Oh, yeah, all these quads in Arizona. And I'm like, Arizona? Like, yeah. you, What? I can't sweat, man. What the hell are y'all doing? No, you know, but, what, uh, I, you know I,
0: feel, I feel you, Alex. Being in California in the desert, I feel you. And the reason why Ronell is still in Miami is because of Bayside. That's why he's not
3: leaving. <laughs> uh,
2: air conditioning. <laughs> air
3: conditioning. <laughs> well, and, but what I had to do, Berkeley, we don't have AC in most of our places, right? Like I bought one of those little R two D two looking portable ACs and hooked it up to my window, kind of janky. Like, but it's just it's what I had to do to keep myself healthy um, when that happens. You know, heat waves are just such a dangerous thing for uh, people with, uh, especially certain types of, uh, you know, paralysis. So, um, so that's that. Uh, you know, food, water, obviously having more water. Um, uh, uh, Gretchel was uh, talking about the, you know, being prepared no matter where you are, uh, certainly work in all the other places. Um, I'd say I take that, you know, disaster go bag, duffel bag uh, with me um, on top of my regular medical supplies whenever I'm traveling, right? So if I have a three-day trip, um, I'll bring three days worth of supplies plus those extra few days that I've gotten my emergency go bag, um, uh, you know, that's, um, I think that's worthwhile. Uh, uh, with food, I've got power bars that are in a couple of boxes that I can, you know, toss in something and take with me. We've got enough canned food. Um, uh, again, it's, it's, it's something where finances help uh, and, you know, whatever people with disabilities can do to uh, make themselves financially independent um, or really well manage their finance should they uh, receive benefits is like, should be, you know, really high on the priority list to be uh, prepared for a disaster. Um, I guess final thoughts is, if you have to leave your home, think about what that'll look like, right? Um, California, we've lost, like, I was trying to add it up off of one of the recent documents, but we've lost over a thousand homes, uh, to these wildfires this year in California alone, right? Uh, Oregon, where my parents are, that's just another, you know, story of, of, and uh, these are places where trailer parks and the rest of it, and there's, you know, a good amount of people without too much money. Um, and you have to ask yourself, okay, if I get hit by a disaster, if I have to leave my home, if I have to leave my home, number one, for a few days, or number two, like reestablish my whole life, uh, uh, think about that. Um, in one of the sheets, uh, it talks about the different kinds of shelters. And there's, you know, three different, kind of, well, kind of three different types of, well, there's a few different t- places you can shelter. What you might've seen, uh, you know, in high school gyms, um, even in the Superdome in Hurricane Katrina or something like that, um, those are called congregate shelters. Those are large shelters. Um, the Red Cross usually manages those, um, and you have to be a good advocate for yourself, and then learn how to, uh, you know, navigate that space and get the supplies that you need. Um, the Red Cross is also doing now non-congregate shelters, so they're signing contracts with like hotels. Um, to do that uh, mainly because of COVID and concerns about COVID. Um, So you might end up in one of those. You might be able to stay with a family member. um, If you have enough finances for yourself, maybe you could find a hotel. Uh, But, you know, evacuation and preparedness isn't just uh, having supplies enough on hand or having them in the right place. It's understanding if something happens and it damages my home or my property, um, you know, property being whatever stuff you keep at home, um, that uh, what am I going to do after that? Who can I call? Uh, Where can I go Um, in those immediate couple of weeks? uh, Where might I be? Um, And then prepare according to that. Uh, you know, the, there's there's the advance notice, but some of us were not always going to be able to stay in our home with those boxes of gloves in the cabinet, mm-hmm. um, and it's unfortunate, but it's the reality. So um, that's true. That's why I'd say. You know, stay. And the final you know final thought is stay vigilant. Um, I have signed up for my local disaster uh, preparedness alerts through Alameda County Alert System. Right, I get text messages, emails. They'll even call me. Um, If there's, like, an oncoming power outage, if we are dealing with fire danger, I got one today saying that we're going to have oncoming heat waves, um, which, again, is a concern for me, right? They'll let you know about smoky air days. Um, There's, uh, like, I've even learned how to find some maps about where wildfires are in California, like, these are GIS maps available online, right? Um, I, obviously, I'm a nerd about this stuff. So like, that's why I have a GIS map of wildfires in the West. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's useful to know and just keep up with the news, be prepared for disasters, sign up for your local emergency preparedness. Um, because if you can have those few days advanced notice, that's great. Like, I was concerned about the pandemic, and I was able to buy some toilet paper ahead of time and like you know, and some other people weren't and it's i don't want to rub it in their faces it's incredibly unfortunate that we didn't have enough stuff to go around, but um being on top of what's going on in the world will help you get a head start um on preparing should something be coming your way
0: absolutely thanks, Alex for sharing that too. It kinda of reminds me of a of a song an old MC rapped about about fifteen years ago. He said, If you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. So Rennell, what's your what's your closing thoughts, my friend?
2: Alright, um just to go back when we were talking about the food, um I just wanna say I have a personal grudge against Gretchel because I'm a big chips fan and she was talking down about the chips. So but she is very right um for our health we have to kind of uh wean ourselves i'm not going to say jump off completely but wean ourselves off of the not so healthier snacks and what i've um, done to be financially ready and um ready with my um the food supplies is on a regular basis i make it a habit to pick up some of those canned foods or some of the healthier snacks, the dried foods, the nuts, the granolas, a few things that are one, easy to take with us in an emergency um, situation. I swap out the older stuff for some of the newer ones and use them while here. So that way I'm not in that, that bull rush to the stores to try and get some crackers or some snacks or A couple of bottles of water or whatever to fit in my go bag. I have some that are already there. About a two to three day supply at the very least to to kind of make sure you know you're not going to be stuck in the shelter or on the side of the road with no provisions at all. So um, that's one thing I kind of do. On the sense of that, we talked about the temperatures of foods. Um, we have the uh, humidity in Florida. We have wildlife trying to get into your your sheds or wherever you're holding your food. So you have to be very mindful of your packaging. If there's stuff that you that um, aren't plastic, that the little bugs and animals can't get into, whatever's in cans or glasses, something that you can keep safe, especially from the rain. Flooding happens at the drop of a dime, wherever it might be. Too much rain and things get flooded out, so you want to make sure the supplies you do have, they may be stockpiled in your shed, but if everything's water damaged, you're not going to be able to use them, so you have to be very mindful of where you are, if it's a flooding area, or if wild animals, because those dogs and cats are trying to find somewhere to be safe too, and they get into your garage, they'll be feeding on your items the entire time, so um, those are the few things we've had to do to make sure our food supplies are safe. Um, we're grillers down here in Florida. So if you have propane, get your propane pan tanks ahead of time refilled or so a couple extra ones. Or if you have uh, your grills, have those um, things set. We've had literally family members bring all their meats from their house in two, three days after everyone lost power. And at the very least, we had barbecues for two three days after a hurricane it sounds funny and it's fun at the very least but the reality is we've actually helped feed neighbors we've invited neighbors over who didn't have items or weren't able to get two or three bags of charcoal and you know people brought over their items and we just had a cookout outside you know it was a great way to keep the kids entertained and get our morale up while still everyone sharing what they had in the community so not everyone has lost that sense of community and I'm glad to be in the area that kind of keeps that up. And I guess since everyone else had a final word, I'll throw one in as can, well.
3: Can I cut in really quickly off yeah, of that ahead is, ahead. um It reminds me, when you're stocking up on food, know what your cooking uh, uh, capability is going to be if a disaster hits. If I have microwave food, but the power is not working, oh, and my yeah. microwave needs like 1,100 watts, then that's pointless, right? That's why I've got... That's why I've got power bars and just some other plain stuff sticking around.
2: That's actually a big thing as well. You know, if you know, personally, you can't cook, you don't want to keep buying all these cooked, um, items that need to be cooked. You know, you need something that you can warm up real fast or just eat cold as it is, whether it's canned tuna or, or, um, the protein or granola bars. I'm a big fan of granola bars as well. So something that is still nutritious, but that you can just kill on the go. Um, my final word, um, I am, I guess, the youngest in the SCI game amongst our group here, and um, one thing I can say to other newer injured or those who are still trying to um, get their plans together because, you know, I'm still figuring things out. I'm taking a lot of what the three of you guys have said um, personally as well, so I can keep it for my own safety. Uh, But for anyone else who are, you know, five years or less – we're still trying to figure it out. These are the resources you should look into, into your community in your city. There's nothing wrong with being a nerd about it. Like Alex said, look, I'm i, I, I between two counties. I'm between Miami-Dade and Broward. I'm on both of their lists. Uh, some of these people know me by name by now. The transportation for Broward and Miami-Dade both call me on a regular basis. I I know hospitals within 20 miles of me. Um, so you you have to be as prepared as you can. There's nothing... Um there's no way to be over prepared because one hospital may be too full or the next one lost power. So as long as you have your options and you're prepared as best as you can, um, like we spoke about earlier, have a few people in your crew. My biggest fear of having to go to a shelter is my brother or my sisters can't come with me. They have young kids and these are the individuals that know me best. So you're probably gonna have to put your hands, your health in someone else's hands and a piece of um I guess, advice one of my physical therapists gave me is to be my biggest advocate when it comes to my health care. Tell them, look, this is not going to work for me. This is how you need to do it. Not to be bossy or to be a jerk about it, but the reality is, look, I might fall out my chair if you're not transferring me well, or I might have an autonomic dysreflexia episode, or I might not be able to breathe if it's hot in here. I know once it gets too hot, it's Florida. We, we got to understand it's hot down here. If it gets too hot and there's no air conditioning, I start to develop breathing. Issues. I might pass out. You know, we're not going to sweat. So, our body is going to do something to keep us safe. So, you have to be able to advocate for yourself directly. I know one year they wanted me to, to send me to um, a shelter that had no beds or anything. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. I can't stay in my chair for too long. I'll get sores. So, um, be very vocal. Again, not being a jerk about it, but do the research. Find out which shelters. Um, Alex explained the different ones before Uh, If you can't congregate somewhere Because you can't drive your chair around That might not be the right shelter for you So make sure you have your resources Both the people, both the items The financial and of course the information Around you as best as you can Stay safe, uh, reach out to your local Church or different organizations Anywhere that might be able to provide you With the different services Because like we all said, you may not be home When the next emergency strikes So you want to make sure you have Op- options all around you
0: appreciate that all your insight i'm um, great having you on to talk about this um, very important subject when it comes to disaster uh, preparedness alex gretchel and Renell uh, look forward to catching up with you guys again and, and Gretchen, i just have a question as far as my, my my food kit does my crown royal apple flavor can i put that in my my, my whiskey <laughs> in my, uh, in my uh, emergency uh, food kit. What do you
3: think?
1: Well, I know it's going to help with your anxiety. So I should
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. And other, other medications Paris. help with that? Or not medications. Substances yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Whatever um, you need to keep the nerves down. Yeah.
1: Survival cool. kit could include whiskey, rum. There it we go. On, but it depends on how you need to support you.
0: You know what? But no rum is better than Puerto Rico rum. I had it before, and it's the best. You yeah, haven't had
2: okay. Haitian rum yet. Ooh.
0: Well, I'll give I'll give everybody my uh, my address. You guys can send me all the rums. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. But great catching up with you guys. Please stay safe during these times. Looking forward to chatting with you guys again. You're listening to United on Wheels, the web's best podcast for active wheelchair users. Wow, that was really, really informative. Like to thank our three very distinguished guests as we talked about emergency preparedness, the United on Wheels Ready to Roll program. So make sure you go to our website, unitedspinal.org, and be on the lookout for that ready to roll handout that's going to be released. And and please stay safe and take care of yourself, especially during this time in which we're living in. And always go to unitedspinal.org to find out some more information. Take care folks.